Good everybody. Welcome to episode 227 of Not The Footy Show. I'm Warwick Nicholson and that is Rob Cox. It's time to talk about 2021. We are in the pre-season already. Teams are back at training and the first team we're going to get into, Cox Smith, is the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. What are we going to look at, mate? Mate, we're going to look at uh, a few signings, a few subtractions, uh, maybe even go through their top 17 or 18. And that's why and, people um, are here, aren't they? They're, they're here for what we think is their top 17. They don't care about 100%. who's in, who's out. It's just... Who's going to be in my super coach team come round one? Let's be perfectly honest. Look, we do a regular podcast. If you're getting us for the first time on YouTube here, it's called Not The Footy Show, as you can see. Uh, people actually listen. We don't know why. Unfortunately, we don't do them regularly enough, but that's going to change, isn't it, Cogsmith? We're, we're committed. Yep. 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 We're going to do them twice a week from now on. Yeah. And, um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm away not. next week, but that's, that's no big um, fishing in Arnhem Land. The Canary Bankstown Bulldogs, bud, it was not a good season last year. Um, no. It really no, wasn't. It, it cost their, their coach his job, um, although it seemed like he was treading water there for a while, or pretty much the whole time he was there. But they've made some splashes. Uh, they've picked up. You know, four or five new players. Uh, they've cleared yep. out a lot of uh, what some Bulldogs fans would call dead weight. Um, mm-hmm. Other people would say servants of the club. And they've also brought in a new coach, uh, Trent Barrett, uh, the male model from Tumut, or isn't it? Somewhere near there. Um, no, no, it um, starts with a T. It's Tamora. Tamora, that's it. I was close. I was in the, in the right area. Uh, mm. Tamora Dragons, yeah? Yes. Yeah, there we go. Um, rugby league week, circa 1990-something. I used to read those score things. Um, Baz is a new coach. Now, he had a stint at Manly. Wasn't overly successful there. Um, lost his job. Um, broke some patio furniture. And then he ended up at Penrith. And in the last 12 months, he has gone from, will he ever get a chance in the NRL again, to getting a lot of credit for the Panthers and their attack as the offensive coach. Trent Barrett, NRL coach, good fit. Yeah, mate. I think I think he did some good stuff with the Panthers this year. If if, if what they said that he did is to be believed, which he yeah. was their attacking coach, and, and Ivan was kind of overseeing both attack and defence and roster. Um, look, I, I do think so. I, I think that the Panthers fans may have loved him this year, but. Right at the end of the year, they're probably not loving him too much with the raid that he's done on the on the club. And we all knew he was going to do it. He's working mm-hmm. every day closely with the, the players. We know they form relationships and some may have liked Baz more than uh, Ivan or maybe they thought there was a better opportunity because that, that grand final team, you know, is going to be hard to keep together with salary cap restraints and everything. And it's going to be hard to get into if you're not in that kind of 18 or 19 already, it's going to be hard to get into. So for players like uh, Matt Burton, who has uh, apparently signed for 2022 onwards, um, it probably looked like a golden opportunity. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Baz will do a good job. I think I think what he learned at Manly will help him at the Bulldogs. And he's going to need help because, you know, they're a basket case, the Bulldogs, as far as politically goes. They're a political basket case. There's, Factions of the board here, there, and everywhere, and yeah. um, there's a lot of infighting going on. Well, that whole board people, that's been there last couple of years is gone. They they cleaned well, that out. The Anderson right, but syndicate. but there's but there's other there's there's still factions that mm. are left behind, um, and people seem to think that it won't affect the football club. Well, it does. It, it does every time, and that's because you'll have factions of the board with their own agendas, wanting yep. to, you know, be the hero of the club. I did this, I did that. And they'll hold other people back. And yeah, it's, it's a mess. The sooner that, the sooner the Bulldogs can get on the, the straight and narrow again, uh, the more successful the club will be. Well, and I think we're seeing sure. signs of that, uh, to be honest. Uh, Andrew Hill, who um, took over a couple of years ago and inherited and probably contributed a little bit to, to what their salary cap was at, but he, he made a conscious effort. He moved on Aaron Woods, 18 months, two years ago, uh, and said, you know, for the next couple of years, it's going to be tough, but eventually we'll have a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow to spend. Uh, and what they've spent, I think, is definitely an improvement on what they've been spending. 
And yep. to that, I'll give Andrew Hill a lot of credit, um, obviously now working with Trent Barrett as the, the coach and probably being a, a very much a, you know, with all due respect to Dean Pay, Baz has got that sort of appeal to him that I don't think Dino had. And poor old Dino was sort of, he was saddled with what he had and, and, and where the club was uh, at the dogs. Mm. But Baz has gone out and he's only got technically two of the Panther um, pups as we were anticipating when he, when he signed there. Picked up Jack Hetherington, uh, who's a front row. He'll play off the bench for the um, Bulldogs, you'd imagine. But he also has, as you mentioned earlier, he signed Matt Burton for a three-year deal from 2022. But they want him for 2021, and it's a question of whether the Panthers will let him go. The challenge for the Panthers is there's no clear path to first grade. Uh, he was in the squad for most of 2020, and then at the back end of the year, didn't even see this, the first grade squad. Uh, so them convincing him just to stick around and wait for his opportunity is going to be really tough on that front. But the rest of the money that they've spent, I think, has been really smart. The first domino to fall was Nick Kotrick from the Canberra Raiders. Yes, they overpaid for him, but they had to. Um, quite often, and we've seen this to the David Fafita um, example at the Titans, if you don't sign that first player, other ones aren't going to line up behind them. So they overpaid in some respects for a winger, but they've, they've bought Nick Kotrick, I believe, for the centres. Um, you know, there's still an opportunity that he might even end up at fullback. I think he's wasted on the wing personally from obviously what they're going to pay him and his ability. Um, Canberra seemed to just be content with him being a, a winger. The other guy they picked up, uh, they picked up two others. They picked Corey Waddell from Manly, who's a former Penrith junior as well. Uh, I think he's a pretty handy footballer. And the, 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 probably the biggest fish they have picked up is Kyle Flanagan, after he was uh, dumped from the Roosters after one season. So there's a, a pretty good foursome for 20, 2021 in, in Kotrick, Flanagan, Hetherington and Waddell and Burton for 2021. I give him a, a it's an A. I, I've got to give him an A for recruitment. Mm. Yeah, look, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not going to give him an A. I'm going to give him a B. Um, I think Kotrick was the, you know, that they needed a, a dam buster to, to get somebody uh, in that had a yep. name and obviously being an origin player um, from last year and the squad member for this year was important um, to have someone of that note. Kyle Flanagan was a, don't, don't think that Kyle Flanagan was a hunt. It was a pickup. Um, they didn't go hunting for him. Uh, he would have stayed at the Roosters 100% if he felt the love there, but he wasn't getting cuddled enough there. Mm. Um, Jack Hetherington, I think, is a good pickup. I, I think, you know what? I think Jack Hetherington could be anything if he, can, if he can control his head. If he can control his head, or if someone can control it for him, he could be absolutely anything in rugby league. He really <laughs> could, because he's got, yeah. the, he's got the, 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 the physical presence. Yeah, he does. Um, and, and you want an enforcer in your team. You want somebody, I've said this, you know, we've known each other for years now. I've said it all along. You will not win a premiership without somebody that's scary in your pack. It just, it just won't happen. You won't do it. You won't do it. Um, and he's a scary dude. So as long as he can just just stay within the boundary of what he's allowed to do. Corey Waddell, look, I, I, never, I, I never really noticed him much at Manly, to be honest. Okay. So I think he's another... Um, I'm not sure if it was too much of a headhunt or if Manly just sort of said, you're going, you know, off you go. I hope he does well. Um, and obviously Trent Barrett as, a, as the coach has attracted those players and there'll be more. There'll be more. Yeah. You can add Burton to the list. I mean, uh, just on Burton, mate, I, I don't think Penrith should let him go. I don't think Penrith okay. should let him go. But we'll put it this way. Look at Penrith this year. Penrith were quite lucky. They didn't get many injuries this year, yeah. which is kind of really, really weird given the year that we had that everybody knows about where they played, you know, 17 or 18 weeks straight, um, maybe even more, including finals. Um, so, I, I, you know, Burton wants to play in the halves. Burton's convinced that he's a half. I don't think he is. Uh, I, think Burton, I think Burton's future, depending on how big he gets, is a centre. Or, or an edge back rower, like a ball okay. playing back rower. Just depends on the size that he ends up at. But I don't think he's a half. Um, okay. I think any club that he goes to will know that he might be a half for a year and then he's going to... But I, I, I still think he can get into the Panther squad next year. Um, you know, they, they've had a couple of issues with outside backs. I think he could easily slot into a centre position. Um, and he might even be a ball playing kind of a centre, you know, like yeah. that quasi kind of... Um, 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit like Bobby Fulton was back in the day, if you can remember back to black and white TV. Um, but no, I'll, I'll give him a B. I'll give, I'll give the Bulldogs a B for Bulldogs. So four players come in definitely for 2021. As I say, we're hoping Burton, for their sake, uh, comes in earlier. But that means there's four new blokes who will be in the 17. So if you're a Bulldogs fan who was sitting there this last year and just gone, where is the, the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, you've just transferred what a quarter of your roster of your starting or your, your 17 basically um heading in to 2021 and there are subtractions and and we touched on you know that they were either long-serving members or as sort of harsher critics would say deadwood they've um moved on aiden tolman who's been a long-time servant there uh Rima smith went to melbourne Marcelo montoya went to the warriors carrot holland retired tim lafay jack cogger uh, have no contract for next year. So also Sue went to the Knights. And the other big domino, uh, I think it's worth mentioning, Kieran Foran. Um, they decided not to, to pay him anywhere near what he was on, which you can understand from their perspective, if they didn't get... I wouldn't say they got bad value out of him because when he played, he was their most influential player. Um, and he didn't miss a ridiculous amount of games at the Bulldogs. He missed a lot of games, but not a ridiculous... He didn't play like one game over three years, um, etc. And he, and he did make their team better when he played. I thought it was a mistake them not holding on to him um, and then signing Blake Green, which we all know they did. Mm. I was thinking, why would you pay Blake Green the money you could pay Kieran Foran? But then Blake Green did his knee. Um, mm. He's now back at the Knights, basically in a development role uh, until he's back from injury. Foran ends up manly and they end up getting Kyle Flanagan to fall in the lap and then Burton. So it's worked out sensationally well for the Bulldogs, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily planned that way. I, I, I can't give them full credit for that. Yeah, look, on, on Kieran Foran, mate, I can't say that he was good value. I mean, let's be honest. He, he played... Uh, I'm just having a look here, mate. He played 30 games for them in three years. Not it's more than two. Uh, well, it's more than two. He played nine at Parramatta. Yeah. Got a million bucks for nine at Parramatta. Yep. Um, what was he on? At, what was he on? He's on allegedly, what was he on? 800 or 900? Some, yeah. He was, on, he was almost on Josh Reynolds' money. Hilarious. So he's, got, so he's got about 100 grand a game. No. Yeah. Look, I, I think, you know, he's a great player. He was better back in the day. But even now, he's got, uh, he's definitely got a presence on the field. Um, you know, He's gone back to Manly. I wonder what Manly paid for him. Probably not a whole Manly lot. Paid. But I wonder if Canterbury would have been willing to pay what Manly paid for him. Well, they ended anyway. up, as I say, they ended up giving that money to Blake Green, and that didn't obviously transpire. Yeah. So Blake Green is staying, though, isn't he? He's staying at the Newcastle. Yeah. He won't be around until halfway through the year if he's back from his knee injury, if he plays at all. Yeah. Um, okay. I think he's basically okay. going on with the coaching staff, you know, even though he's on the roster. Hmm. You know, uh, unfortunately for poor old Kieran Foran and, and the clubs he's been involved with, uh, he has had a, an injury-hampered career. Um, you know, he's... Even even at Manly, I remember him hobbling off a few times for a few, you know, lots of games off. Um, but on his day, sensational player. He's gone. Um, Aidan Tolman is is one I think they might miss, mate. He's at the Sharks, yeah. They've, they've picked I think him up. They, I think they might miss him. And now, you know, somebody... not on the, I'll be fair, not on the fourth and fifth tackle hit-ups near the line. They won't miss that. Well, well, no, they probably won't. But that's not his... You know, his job isn't to manage the game. His job's to run at the line when, mm. when he gets the ball. You know? So, you know, but in the halves, you know, the, the, who they've picked up in Kyle Flanagan, uh, he's a good player. Don't, mm. don't worry about that. He just didn't fit in, I don't think. And I think it might have been a personality issue. It didn't fit in. I'm only guessing. Yep. Um, because, he, you know, let's be honest, the games that he played at, at the Roosters, he, he wasn't a shocker. He stayed in the squad. I, I thought he was a, pretty good last year. Yeah. All for bar three or four weeks, which apparently, from what I hear, he was stood down not, for, not so much for, um, for his own... I think for his own mental health is a bad word, but for his own good, as far as his own development, they yep. stood him down for a few weeks. Um, 
some would say that, you know, some some words that I've heard are that he can be a bit cocky and a bit, um, you know, hard to deal with. But, you know, he's a young bloke. He's a halfback. You probably want a bit of cockiness out of him. Yeah, um, he played, what, as long as a dozen games for the, for the Sharks and then the Roosters signed him on a big deal. I mean, you can understand how that mm. happens to a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. All of his dreams have come true. He's going to the you know, arguably the best club in the comp, the two-time um, defending premiers. Yeah, and um, uh, you know he's uh, he's been. I think he's been. He's the sacrificial lamb for what happened this year with him, and and uh, I don't think it's very fair. But they run their own race there at the Roosters, and I think it's a really good pickup for the Bulldogs. And and I think uh, if he's allowed to own the team. Um, he'll he'll do very well. I'm just interested when we get to their 17 on who you think is going to stand uh, on the other side of the ruck as a half, mm. um, because I've got some definite opinions on that. We've sort of talked about the optimism element who's come in, but are there reasons to doubt the poor old Bulldogs? There are plenty as far as I'm concerned, but there's something that stands out to you from 2020 that you just go, this is what you've got to address? Well, I think they've addressed it, mate, in their coaching. Um, I think the coaching was a big thing. They looked rudderless a lot of the time. Mm. Now, that's I'm not trying to slap Dean in the face at all, but I, th- I, don't, know, I don't know Dean Pay, but he always seemed like a reluctant coach to me. He almost seems like a, a guy that probably would have been happy being an assistant coach and doing the little bits rather than the overall um, mm. picture. And I think he would have done and has done very well at that in the past. Sometimes being a head coach just doesn't suit people. But I, I saw, you know, they, they, look, they look like they didn't have plans most yeah. of the time. Well, they were, they were complete and kick, complete and kick and hope. Yeah, and then that just doesn't work these days. You know, some will argue that they didn't have the, the, didn't have the roster to, to fulfil a more ambitious game plan, but um, they just didn't even seem to really See, try it too much. That that I, I hear where you're coming from, and that, that is a, a comment used about a lot of teams, but sometimes the Bulldogs would play adventurous football and you'd go, there's a team here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, they played ad-lib, a bit of ad-lib. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. they just rope it in and not play any football and get and all of a sudden they've lost six in a row. And you're going, mm-hmm. Dino, like, let the team play. Like, see what you've got because... Yeah. The pieces weren't in place, and this is why it informs 2021. The pieces weren't in place to seriously contend for a top eight spot by playing it safe. Mm-hmm. And that's the question, I guess, that faces poor old Trent Barrett is, you know, he's coming in as the offensive genius, and that term is used a lot in the NFL. Um, and it's mm-hmm. funny how, and if you guys follow the NFL, if you're watching, there's a couple of offensive geniuses that have like scored three points and zero points in like four or five games this year, and the team doesn't have a win. Uh, Adam Gaze at the Jets. But that's the challenge for Trent Barrett is that he comes in and he's gone from having Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, um, Happy Coruscant, et cetera, to a team that, and we'll get into it in a second, doesn't quite have that level of um, creativity. So what kind of football does he play with the Bulldogs? If I'm Trent Barrett, I'm going, guys, what do you want to play? And then I'll work the game plan around that and work out what I got. He can't go in, I don't think, and expect them to be able to play. And I don't think the Penrith, as good as they were in 2020, um, I don't think they were a extremely ad-lib football kind of team. They were a build pressure team, get to the kick, build up the pressure, build up the pressure, and then strike. Mm. Don't know if you'll get that from the Bulldogs, um, but there are some pieces in place and we'll get to the 17 in a sec, but he's got some options in attack. He's just, I think the biggest problem for the Bulldogs remains their defence. That, that, that pack, it looks pretty good on paper, but they got rolled over way too much in 2020. And, and that's my big concern for them is, is not so much the coaching. It's not so much, it's the, that full pack has got to hold the middle and it just hasn't. I, mate, I think, I, you know, my philosophy on, on defence. Defence can be taught. Attacking brilliance can't. Mm. Attacking brilliance is something that is, is um, you know, it's instinctive. You know, you've either got it or you haven't. But defence is an attitude. If you want to work, you can defend. 
Yeah. If you want to earn your money, you can defend. If you want to be, you know, a candy ass and not do what you need to do, then you probably won't be a great defender. I think they've got, look, look, I'm just looking, I'm just having a quick look now. You know, they've got some pretty willing dudes that I forgot about actually mm. in this, um, in this forward pack with Josh Jackson, Adam Elliott, um, Chris Smith, you know, they've got some willing dudes there. And then in the front row, you know, Luke Thompson's a worker. Dylan Napa can be scary uh, with Jack Hetherington. I, I don't know, mate. I mean, uh, if they can get their attack right, if they can get their attack to click and they've got the willingness in defence, which by looks on paper, they should do. Mm. There's a couple of, there's a couple of, but, but I, mate, I don't know. I, they might knock on the door of the eight this year. Oh, next big year. call. Maybe. Uh, from Roberto Cocksmith. Um, that's the beauty of when you do 16 teams looking to the next season, everyone can make the eight. Uh, you don't have to make room for anybody and you can just say, yeah, unless, unless they're the Broncos and they can't make the eight. Uh, right, uh, we'll get, when we get to them, that'll be interesting. Uh, after the break, we're going to get into the top 17 that we think will run out there in round number one in 2021 for the Bulldogs. Okay, it's not the footy show 227. Uh, Warwick Nicholson, Roberto Cocksmith, and we are doing the Bulldogs. Top 17 for round one, 2021 few months out, although not that far out. Uh, that's one thing we've noticed is this off-season is going to be very, very short uh, in rugby league. We've gone through reasons to be optimistic, reasons to be pessimistic, the ins and the outs, uh, but we get to the top 17. And Cocksmith, mm. the Bulldogs have some seriously wide-open spots in their 17 uh, come round one. Let's start at fullback. I'm going with a bit of a... It's a combination of what I think will happen, but probably more so what I think they should try. Um, and that's finding a spot for a kid called Jake Avarillo. I don't think he's a six. I saw enough for him at the last couple of games last year that the game, he kind of waits for the game to come to him. And at six, I don't think that's the right spot for him. Whereas I think he, if he's bulked up a little bit in the off season um, and has the, the motor, I think fullback is the spot for Jake Avarillo because it's going to force him to be in the game all the time. And when we see him in the game, you get excited, even if you're not a Bulldogs fan. I think he's, I think he's the best choice for the Bulldogs at number one come round one. Yeah, I, I, I can see why you say that, although I disagree. Um, I think, you know, I, I think their best fullback is Will Hopawati, but I also think he's one of their best centres and Correct. I think they can use him better at centre, mm. which we'll get to. But I would put Nick Meaney at fullback. Um, I think he was desperately unlucky uh, the timing when uh, Watini Zalesnia came into the team. Nick Meaney was just starting to hit his straps at fullback, and I think he deserves another chance. Um, in saying that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Dallin in my 17, believe it or not. Yeah, I think um, we're both on the same page there. Yep. But, but I can see why you say with Jake Avrilo. I think the reason why he waits for the game to come to him, mate, is mostly because of his age. I think he's young. And I think that he, he will have got a lot of confidence out of this year just playing, not so much their results, but just playing um, in the NRL. He'll be prepared and ready for next year. I've got him somewhere else in the team. But, okay. yeah, so you're going with Jake. I'm going to go with Nick Meaney. Okay. On the wings, I think Jade Nockenbore after his... Um, yep. Incident field 2020, uh, he's locked in on one wing. He came back and didn't really miss a beat too much for the Bulldogs. Um, and I think he's got the ability to score 12, 15 tries across the year. He's, he's a pretty handy footballer, Ockenbore. And I think well, I've got Nick Meany on the other wing. Um, I don't yep. have any room for DWZ. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he's a liability and it's harsh for me to say it, but I've just seen two or three years of, of just average football. Occasionally there's a game where you go, I remember that yeah. but mm. but but he, yeah, he's better as a winger than a fullback though. People think he's a fullback. He's nah. he has no business in the number one. He has no confidence going for a high ball. Now mm. that is not a good thing on the wing or at fullback, and he yeah. can't defend, so he shouldn't be at centre. Oh. Mm. He's got to, he's got to find something this off season, and he's got to prove yeah. to Trent Barrett that he he deserves a shot in first grade. Because based on what I saw in in not just twenty twenty but the last couple of years. He can't be in my 17. He just can't. So I've got Ockenbore and Meany on the flanks. Who have you got? I've got Ockenbore and Christian Crichton uh, on, on my wings because I've got Nick Meany at fullback. 
Yep. Um, but look, I think that they're, they're kind of all interchangeable a little bit because I know Christian Crichton can play a little bit of fullback as well. But I think Nick Meaney's a man with Ockenborough in total agreeance. He's, he's paid his penance. Yep. Let's hope we don't see any more repeats of that. The Bulldogs, as a club, don't want that. Um, and yeah, Crichton, uh, the ex Panthers star on the uh, on the other wing. And we get to the centres now, and this is where it would. It did my head in as a Canberra fan, not seeing Nick Kotrick play, get a chance in the centres. I just cannot see the Bulldogs not playing him in the centres come round one. Um, that's where he'll be. And I've got him alongside Will Apuade. And all of a sudden, the back line looks a little bit potent. If you've got Avarillo amongst the mix, you've got Hapawade, you've got Ockenbore, you've got Kotrick. Um, as I said, I've got Meany, you've got Crichton. Um, mm. But... Kotrick adds something to this team and I think he's underrated defensively when he's when I've seen him play in the centers. Um, and I think that if they go with Hopawade and, and Kotrick and give him a little bit of a license, that's the thing that I reckon clubs just, I, I get it from the defensive point of view, but in attack, let you, let your most potent attacking players, not just sit out on an edge and just wait for the ball. Um, yep. And I think give him, give him a license. Exactly. And the game's definitely changed in terms of rucking the ball out. You'll see a lot more centers do a lot more of that second or third hit up. Um, mm. But give your best players, best attacking players the ball and, and good things will happen. So I've got Kotrick and Hapawada. Who have you got? Same. Same, mate. Yep. Yeah. I think, uh, like I say, I think Hapawada is probably their best fullback, but he's also probably their first center picked um, and they can use him more at center. Um, and Kotrick deserves his chance. Uh, I've seen him play a little bit of centre and I liked what I saw. Mm. Uh, he's got the size and the pace to be a, a handful. So uh, I'd, I'd start him um, in the centres this year. Uh, just the thing on Hopawade, his number is always awesome at fullback, but he's not a player who makes the other players better. And not all fullbacks can do that. And I'm, I'm not saying every fullback can do that. But... Mm. The beauty of him playing centre, he actually makes his winger better. He actually is pretty handy on an edge when he's when he's playing with his winger Hopawade. There's more creativity. It's strange to say this from Hopawade. I think when he's playing centre than it is when he's playing fullback. Uh, there is okay. one more name to keep in mind: um, Tui Katoa. Now he hasn't. I don't think he debuted last year. He may have played one game off the bench. I'm not 100 sure. They got big wraps on him, and he's the one that I think is a smoky for that other wing spot ahead of Meany potentially or ahead of Crichton. Um, Tui Katoa, mm-hmm. keep that name. In mind, we go to the halves. Uh, as I say, Foran's moved on. Blake Green didn't arrive. Flanagan is there. The big question for me is whether Flanagan will play six or seven. In this day and age, I don't think it matters what number he's got in the back. I think he'll play as a halfback, whether he's at six or he's at um, seven in terms of a jersey number. Um, we're both agreement that he'll be starting. Uh, and before we get to Flanagan, you asked this question before. Who's alongside him in the halves? Do you have Averillo at six? I have Averillo at six. Now, I'll tell you why. I think, I think Flanagan will have learned a lot from the Roosters um, as far as what he needs to work on. And, and one thing you want your person wearing the seven to do is manage the game. Um, and I think he will have learned a lot about that. And I think with Barrett being in his ear all off-season, going into the season, I think he will be their chosen game manager. Um, and I think Avarillo will, will be a support act. That's what I would have him doing. Mm. Um, yeah, either way, Avarillo's in the 17. But I, I just I like the look of him in moments with the six on his back. Um, or he didn't, maybe he didn't have the six, but he was playing in the sixth position. Um, last year or this year in 2020, I think in 2021, I think he can, you know, he's still only very young. But I think Barrett will like the idea of young halves. He's just come off working with young halves. Mm-hmm. Um, in um, in Cleary and uh, Lawai. And I think uh, he will see a lot of similarities in those two. I think Flanagan, on the field anyway, he seems like a bit of a calm head. He doesn't lose too much of his cool often. And Cleary's yeah. just a, the ice man, you know, so there's a bit of similarity there. Avarillo's a bit of a different player to Lawai. He's probably a little bit more direct than Lawai. But I, see, I, I think that's... That's what I would do, and, and hopefully for, for the Bulldogs, I think that's what um, Barrett may do. Yeah. Uh, I've Some Bulldogs fans are going to throw 
the phone down. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> uh, smash the TV on YouTube. I'm taking into consideration what I think will happen in round one a lot in this, this prediction. I really think the Bulldogs will go with Luke, uh, Lachlan Lewis at seven in round one. Now, he's not the long-term answer. Matt Burton will come in at whatever stage and he'll be the six and Flanagan will be the seven. Uh, you mentioned earlier, for how long is the question, but he's not a long-term answer. But based on what is available and the fact that I have a Grillo at one, I would play Lewis either at six or seven, whichever one you want. But I would take the game management away from him because he has dominated that for the Bulldogs for two years. And all they do is wait to the fifth tackle to give it to Lachlan Lewis and he'll kick. He could kick. Oh, I wouldn't I'll, have Lachlan I, in my, I know you wouldn't. In my 17. But my thing is, I just go, Flanagan needs to ball play more than game manage. I think for the Bulldogs to be really, have, have more attacking um, focus. But at the same time, I just think Lewis needs to play as the second fiddle. He can't play as a dominant guy. And it's up to Trent Barrett to work with him to say, okay, I know this is what you've been doing for a couple of years, mate, but bring it back a little bit. He's a good defender. He can kick the ball. He's a good, I think he should be a good second option with the ball in terms of kicking. And mm. one of the things with the dogs is you could always guarantee if they got into the attacking 20, what they'd do is they'd, they'd hit up, hit up, hit up, hit up, hit up, hit up. And then Lachlan Lewis would step up and kick for somewhere. That was the game plan. Yeah, crossfield kick. Or and I'm just I, like, look. I, I, I think I think when Barrett goes in there, I really think he needs to sweep the place, mm. start again. What they did last year didn't work, and and I honestly think that a few of them need to go back to the park to play some park football. And I think Lachlan Lewis is one of them. I think Lachlan Lewis. I get the feeling. I don't know the guy, but I get the feeling just from his body language that. He thinks he's killing it. He thinks he's doing well. He's not. not Mate, not, stats, not, not. stats are amazing when you see him on a piece Don't of paper. Care about 16 stats. kicks, 400 yep. something. But if, how effective are they? And is it actually helping your team? Um, yeah. I just think. I think he can. I think he can play. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I think he can play. I just think that I'm not sure that he's that he's playing in the right position and with the and with the right. Um, influences in his, in his mind about how he plays the game. I think he can play, but I think he needs to be coached a bit more. So and that, that's my maybe, view. Maybe Barrett will do that. I just think you change what, he's, what his role in the team is and you might get a bit more value out mm-hmm. of him. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing with Lachlan Lewis is the Bulldogs, we'll get to nine in a sec, but right, give him a chance at hooker. Play him off the bench as your 14, something, but he can tackle. That, that's where he, he is tackle. for my team. Yeah. He's on the um, bench. The other player is Brandon Wakeham, who just didn't take his chance last year. Um, he had a couple of bright spots and you went, he's, he's not bad, but he's on the smaller side. He's not a great defender. Um, and in some of the games, he really, and this is my big criticism of him, is he took a backseat to Lachlan Lewis way too much. And when you're yeah. auditioning for next year, unless it was... I, like think, Bra- one, yeah. I think Brandon's missed his opportunity. Mm. To be honest, yeah. For now, um, you know, injuries injuries will come, and he hopefully gets his opportunity again. But for me, it's Avarillo in six and uh, and Flanagan in seven, uh, with Lewis to the 14th and 14. The telling thing about Wakem last year was he got his chance, kind of took it and lost it, and then when he looked like he was going to get his chance again, um, George Alice went with Jack Cogger, who's no longer at the club, ahead of him. That's telling. Yeah. Uh, into the um, forwards, as I said, I've got um, Flanagan at seven, Lewis at six or six, whichever way you want to um, work it around. Into the forwards, which they've always had good forwards, the Bulldogs. They've always had mm. good forwards. Um, effective forwards, I guess, is the biggest challenge. In the front row, they'll be trotting out a pretty good foursome. Uh, Luke Thompson, who didn't set the world on fire, but I don't think we could expect him to without a full preseason in the NRL environment. Yeah. He'd come yeah. off ISO for what? He was he's, in there for three weeks or something like that. His preseason was two weeks in a hotel room, mate, with some weights and a, and a bike. So I think if you're, a, if you're a harsh rugby league or NRL fan, wipe that out of your mind and go, let's judge him on what he brings to the table in the first half of 2021. Um, he'll start at prop. The other one yeah. will be Dylan Napper, who, and you mentioned it earlier around you know, the aggression, the aggro, the you know, bit of starch in the pack. 
What's happened to Dylan Napper, mate? Because we haven't seen this was we haven't seen yeah two years ago. We haven't seen that the, what we saw at the Roosters, those kind of you know spearing in from angles, um, you know attacking with defence and stuff like that. We haven't seen that now. I'm not sure about Dylan's uh, fitness as far as his injuries go. Mm. You know, hopefully, hopefully, in the past he's had some injuries that's prevented him from playing like that. Um, and hopefully in the future those injuries are gone and we see the old Dylan Napper again. But it, it was almost like we saw the, you know, the hard Dylan Napper at the Roosters and we've, you know, dare I say it, the softer side of Dylan Napper at the uh, at the Bulldogs. Um, hopefully for all Bulldogs fans out there, we see the return to the hard Dylan Napper because when he plays like that, he's a handful man and um, that's what got him into origin sides and uh, well, he might have even played for Australia. Um, did he? Did he play for Australia? I think he so, did. Did he? Okay. Didn't he? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, you want out there. Yep. But uh, if he didn't, he should have. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, yeah. I, I, hopefully, he'll be, he'll be, they'll give him another chance starting the year. Uh, Napper and Thompson in the front row and uh, Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. Mm. I think that'll be the front row to start the year off. Just before we get to Marshall King, uh, my Ducks fans out there, the movies, they're the Bash Brothers, Hetherington and Napa. I'd just like to see mm. Barrett go, kids, mm. go nuts. See what happens. Yeah. You're not going to yep. get sent off. We don't send people off in the NRL anymore. Um, mm. Like, they've, they've got to add something. Like, they can't just go out and play there. And I think really importantly from Barrett's point of view, you can't have them sharing the 80 minutes. You need those two on the field. Yeah, at some stage, you need At them the same them. time. You need yep. them on the same time. If that means that you push Thompson back to lock, maybe occasionally to start games and so be it. But mm. getting Napper and um, Hetherington on the field, the Bash brothers bring them back. The other front rower who I think will be in the squad come round one is Ofehihi Ogden, um, who I think will beat out um, uh, Renouf uh, Tuamonga, who's actually changed his name, I believe, to Renouf. What's with that, mate? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he, he's the other, the fr- other front rower in the mix. It's a pretty decent, it's a really good top three, I think, uh, for where mm. they are as a club. Mm. Um, and they've got some good youngsters uh, there who were 17. Uh, getting to hooker, mm. Marshall King, I like him. I think he is a good footballer. Mm. But he's, he's not the nine that takes your team up four or five clogs in the ladder. I, I just don't think he is. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I think he's a week-to-week player. Um, I'm not sure, though, if he's the spark, if he's a, you know, remember, you know, someone like Josh Hodgson, you know, he's a sparky player. You yeah. know, someone like, um, um, you know, Jake Friend is a bit more of a journey, like not a journeyman, a bit more of a, a grinder. But Cameron Smith's obviously a, a game manager. And, and there's all different types of hookers. Cameron Smith is like Damian a half cook. White, Yep. Speed. Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Smith's like halfway between a halfback and a hooker, yep. whereas Damien Cook is a pure hooker. Um, you know, so I think with Jeremy, I think Jeremy Marshall King is playing out of position. I don't think, maybe wrong, but I don't think he's played hooker all of his life. I think he's more of a half. He was a half. He was a five eighth. He he was right. He played alongside Lewis, I think, a couple of years ago in the okay. half there. They both sort of debuted at the same time. Right. Um, I think he's made a pretty successful hand of being a, a hooker, and I think that mm. he should be in the squad. He's in the 17 for mine, just depending on. But I, I think they'll start with him. I'm just looking at, you know, you've got Sione Katoa as well. Um, now, Sione Katoa, you know, at Penrith was a, a fairly decent player. Um, but I don't know if he's your answer either, as far as your. He has his moments. He has yeah. his moments, but I don't think he is. Mm. Um, they've, they've, they've had a little bit of a it's been a little bit of a weird thing since um, your mate um, since your mate left um, what do you call him um, I forget his name now the guy that's gone to Fox uh, what's his name he was there for years he was there for years <laughs> State of Origin um, hooker oh, Mick I'm drawing a blank Mick yeah, Ennis, Mick the menace. Uh, that, since, he's, since he left They've kind of struggled a little bit, haven't they? I mean, I think when he left, I think, wasn't that when Cook was there and then they said to Cook, no, we don't want you? Uh, Des Hazel's great 
great decision making. 2014 mm. grand final. He could have picked yeah. Damien Cooker Hooker and he yeah. picked Moses and by. Yeah. Yeah, good choice. Um, but yeah, they, they need another, they need to, to develop or to buy another hooker that's, you know, going to be that, that you know, premiership hooker. But yeah. Marshall King will do the job till then, I think. Yeah, I think he'll be the um, nine for sure. And we, we think that if they do decide to go with a utility on the bench, uh, mm. I, so I've got Lewis in my starting team, but um, does Katoa get there simply be from the point of view of, of spelling Marshall King? Um, I guess he would in your team, potentially. Well, no, he no he doesn't in my team, mate. I don't have a hooker on the bench. I've got um, uh, your mate um, Lockham Lewis on the bench. Yeah. Um, um, so, but let's get to the back rowers because I think the back rowers for for the Bulldogs have always been strong. Mm. That's really where they get a lot of their their push from their back rowers. Well, it seems like every off season they buy two new starting back rowers, but they mm-hmm. don't buy two legitimate star back rowers. It's like they just keep adding guys that <laughs> to the are the list like, of back rowers. They're, they're good back goodish back rowers and like last I think two years ago they added uh Joe Stimson and Dean Britt, both not mm. in the seventeen as far as we're concerned mm. for the next round one. This time they've added Corey Woodell. They re signed um Adam Elliott. Uh they got Fatella Mariner, Josh Jackson What's the what's the back row starting for you? What's the best balance, I guess? Well, look, I've got your list here, and I agree with what you've written. Um, so we're in agreement, um, which is uh, Fatala Mariner, Josh Jackson with Adam Elliott Locke. Yeah. Um, I like that. Um, I like that back row. I think that's their strongest back row, and I think that's what they should start with. Um, you know, which, uh, but they've got other they've got other back rowers in there, like you mentioned. They've got Dean Britt and they've got um, Corey Waddell, Chris Smith. I really like Chris Smith. Mm. I've got him on my bench. Okay. Um, uh, Matt Dury. I don't know anything about Matt. He well, he played a couple of games last year. Uh, Did he? And he, I think he hurt his knee in the second last round. Um, they've okay. put him back to a development contract, which really surprised me. Uh, I thought they they'd advance him into the top thirty this year, um, but I can't see him starting ahead of like Stimson will be healthy again. He didn't have a great start to his Bulldogs career and um, was a bit of a, a joke in um, supercoach circles because everyone thought, oh, I'd be great. And then he was ho- hopeless. So everyone just hated on him, not necessarily for his performances because his stats weren't good enough. It's funny how that yeah. influences people's view- viewpoint. Um, and Dean Britt, I think, is a, a pretty handy football. He's sort of a, a back row, front row. But Corey Waddell comes straight into that bench spot, I think, as the, as the next back rower. Um, okay. I don't think. Um, Barrett signed him not to be in the 17. Uh, I really, and I actually, I've seen, I watched him pretty closely at Manly at different stages. And I think he's a better back rower than um, Kosowski, the, the backup there at um, Manly. I thought he'd be in line to take over Joel Thompson's spot um, at mm. Manly. Um, but evidently, yeah, okay. Manly went another direction. I think he's a really good pickup. And the question for me more around whether he'll start or not is, How's Fatala Mariner going to go without Kieran Foran? Because Kieran Foran made Fatala Mariner a weapon on mm. that at left edge. Yeah. Um, or yeah. that edge, whichever edge he ended up playing on most of the time. But yeah, I, that's the person I think it's under the most threat because I think Fatala Mariner, if you had to, you could push him up to the front row because he's big enough. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, I, I guess it does depend on that. Um, going, having a look at the bench now. I see what you've got written down here. And do you want to tell... tell yeah, so I've got Waddell, Hetherington, Ogden, and I've got Wakeham as the, the 14 slash Katoa. Um, unless you decide to whack another forward on there and, and I guess hope that... Um, maybe no Mark one gets injured. Yeah, no one gets injured. Um, mm. A bit like New South Wales in the origin. No. The third game. No injuries, mate. Didn't happen in game one. We didn't have to learn anything. Look, mm. uh, I think that... I think it's a pretty handy bench. Um what you've got hit there. I think I agree with you that Barrett signed Waddell for a reason. And that's not to have him playing in uh, the New South Wales Cup. So given that, um, you know, and I, I did see some of Waddell. Waddell didn't do a lot to impress me this year, but okay. at the same time, he wasn't given a whole lot of space to impress, you know. Um, so given the benefit of the doubt, and I'd, I'd probably have Waddell, Hetherington, um, 
Ogden and uh, Lachlan Lewis yep. uh, on the bench. So it's a very similar bench, mate. I mean, we we choose pretty, with uh, yeah probably with two or three differences. We've chosen the same seventeen. Um, um, before we finish on the Bulldogs, Josh Jackson. Um, the last couple of years, he's fallen out of the Origin um, arena. Um, mm. He's no longer playing eighty minutes. Uh, when he first came into first grade. And my flatmate's a big Bulldogs fan, so he's he's been a long time fan of Jackson. He mm. was an attacking edge back rower, and mm. it just seems like time is and and a lot of harsh say word use the word a lot of losing has sort of caught up on his style of football. Now it just seems like he's a bit of a plug guy. And do you think that's do you think that he's been grafted into that position? Because well, I think Des Hasler has that effect on some players. And I wish that he had still had the running game. I don't think he does anymore. I think he's pushing 30 now. He's getting closer there anyway. Um, Mm. But that's the big question because Adam Elliott, you know, in the last two years has developed into a pretty handy lock forward, a busy Mm. lock forward. Mm. Traditionally, I would have said that Josh Jackson is probably better suited to 13 in the way that he plays now. But I don't think you can then move Elliott to the edge and say, sit over there and wait for the game. Yeah, um, no. And and that's the question that I guess Josh Jackson has to decide under the Trent Barrett regime is what kind of edge back rower is he? Because if he's just there to defend, I, I just think that really limits that side of the field. And that's my big concern yeah. from a Bulldogs fan is is not so much the defence on Jackson's front. I think he's a pretty good defender, obviously, but he's, he's got to rediscover an offload, find some synergy with whoever he ends up playing outside. He might end up outside Kyle Flanagan. Um, he's going to look after him, but I don't. I don't think he should ne- neglect that attacking game that we did see from him six, seven years ago. Yeah, I, I think he, you know he's at the back end of his career, though, mate. I think he's probably got a year or two left. The way he plays is quite a hard yeah. game, so I don't think he's going to be a thirty-six-year-old player um, playing in the NRL. In saying that, I, I probably wouldn't have thought that Paul Gowan could either. Um, very different style back rowers, though. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think it's a little concern that there's a there's one edge that isn't really going to attack that much from a forwards perspective, um, but hopefully we can see uh, a little bit more ball playing and and, and some uh, wingers and centers doing the business, you know, um, for for the Bulldogs. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the seventeen, mate. I mean, do you want to go through them? Yeah, quickly. This is the one that I reckon is going to run out there in round one. Combination, what I think and what I think. Could happen. Uh, Avrilo in the at fullback, Ockhambor and Meany on the wings, Kotrick and Hapawade in the centres. Then you've got Lewis and Flanagan in the halves, Luke Thompson, Marshall King, Napa up front, Patella Mariner, Josh Jackson and Adam Elliott in the back row and a bench of Waddell, Hetherington, Ogden and Waken slash Katoa. So if you're a super coach person looking at that, you might get some nuggets of information. If you're a Bulldogs fan hoping for some um, optimism for the season, I think you can see some there, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit more points in them. Uh, they're also picking up a um, pretty handy goal kicker in Flanagan. Um, and that's something the Bulldogs have traditionally always relied on is turn four into six. Um, and Flanagan, he adds something to them. And, and I think you've, mm. you've definitely lucked out there, Bulldogs fans, getting Flanagan um, and potentially Burton as well uh, when the alternative could have been Blake Green for a couple of years. So, Well, well could you... Could you imagine if they didn't get Flanagan? The you know the the scores that we've given them um, would look very different. Uh, they got lucky with with Flanagan in a they, big way. They certainly did. Yeah. Um, as I said, you that first domino had to fall, and that was as Nick Kotrick in the end. So that's the seventeen that we think will run out for Bulldogs in round one, twenty twenty one. There's our preseason primer for the doggies as well. If you have got any views, hit them in the comments below. Uh, that's episode two two seven on YouTube. There is going to be a bonus five minutes uh, for anyone listening on the podcast. Uh, Cogsmith wants to talk about some current events in rugby league. But in the meantime, we're on facebook.com slash NRL podcast. Uh, you can see our social handles above here on YouTube. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get a rating somewhere if you want to. And uh, tell your friends about the fact that we might actually do a few of these podcasts uh, heading into Christmas and the new year. Good stuff, mate. Not Okay, wrapping up of episode 227. This is the bonus audio version for those punters who 
have somehow got to the end of 40 minutes on the Bulldogs. How did it end up being 40 minutes, Cocksmith? I, I loathe myself. But we always intend to go for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then we just talk a bunch of garbage. So we just keep talking. Really. We don't advertise that it's not garbage. That's I'll, I'll... No, well, it's, it's, the, the podcast isn't called Not the Garbage Footy Show. Yeah. We're allowed to talk garbage. It is. I mean, uh, you won't talk to me during the week. So no. I, when I, whenever I get on one of these, I just let it go. You, know, um, it you want go. to talk about uh, uh, BN, mate? Oh, look, I, I, yeah, I wonder, uh, just the news um, last night with Brent Naden um, coming out that he's tested positive on grand final day to cocaine, mm. allegedly, mm. in his system. Um it's quite concerning, isn't it? Um, if, if, if it's true, and I, I really I really hope that his B sample comes back negative, although the indicators would probably say that it's not going to come back negative um, because he checked himself into rehab for three weeks straight after the grand final. And yeah. that wasn't just to get over the grand final loss. I think he may have, you know, I think he may have known that they've taken a sample from me. I'm probably going to go here and yep. I've got a few issues. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope he gets, I hope, he, I hope the, the three weeks that he spent in the uh, facility did him the world of good. Hopefully he puts this behind him. He's going to get a, he's going to get a break from football. Um, and that'll be somewhere between 12 months and a month, depending on who you listen to. Mm. Um, apparently the NRL and WADA these days aren't as strict on recreational drugs, okay. which I totally disagree with. I think if you're an NRL player, um, you need to be accountable. Uh, and whether it's cocaine, and there's another issue here, which we'll get to, but yeah. whether it's cocaine or whether it's marijuana or heroin or some other horrible toxic thing you put into your body, I think you need to be held accountable. And I think if you, if you test positive to a banned substance or an illegal substance, it should be 12 months, minimum 12 months in my view. And I have nothing against Brent Naden in the couple of times that I've met him. He's been a really nice fella, but uh, you know, it doesn't look good for the kiddies. Was I, does it? No. The kiddies don't want to see their heroes taking illegal substances. It's not good for the club. It's not good for his own, I loathe, I say it, uh, personal brand. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, it's not good to know um, as, a, as a teammate standing next to somebody, you know, getting bombarded on your goal line in defence and you look next to you and um, there's a bloke who's broken the bubble, allegedly. Mm. Or some, he got the, he got the, if he got the cocaine, if he is, if he is in fact uh, guilty of this, a bubble has been broken to get the cocaine and taking the cocaine on or near grand final day probably isn't great for your performance. I would have thought now some will yeah. say that cocaine is a performance enhancing drug. I don't know about that. I'm not too sure, mm. but either way it's sad because any NRL player or, or any person that, that thinks or that they need that kind of, uh, or any kind of drug in their body uh, to make them feel better, and you definitely wouldn't take it to feel worse. Um, there's something up, and I'm, like I say, if he is if he is guilty of uh, of all that they say at the moment that he's allegedly guilty of, I hope he gets the help and has had the help that he needs. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 just um, I'm I'm weirded out by the whole um, grand final day thing. That's yeah. the thing that gets me. A day after the grand final, win, lose, or draw, I kind of understand it. I, I, my, my brain works a little bit better with that. But just to, for it to be in your body, I'm not sure how cocaine gets, goes through your body. I believe it goes through quite fast. Mm. Uh, but on grand final day, to be positive. And you assume that was taken, this test was after the game. It was after the game. Five you, assume, you, would, you would assume so. It was. It was after the game. Five five players from Penrith were tested. So that means it was before. If he did take it, the match. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, you'd say it was before, unless but after they wouldn't. 
well, unless unless you could get it into you very quickly before getting a test. Um, but what it raises a question to me is he was dropped the week before. Mm-hmm. And there was also a week off in between the game yeah. against the, the Roosters and the game against the week the before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all were a bit taken aback when the decision was made to drop him for that prelim final. Um, yep. From a t- tactical point of view, it's kind of made sense. But now this has emerged. I guess the, the question, and I'm going to leave it out there. I don't think we can probably answer it, but it. it you won't get the answer to what you're about it, to ask. It begs the question what was known? That's, that's well, I'll just sort of leave there. We can't answer it, but it's a concern. And mm. I think it, it, it builds on the back of what you said around the access to the, the alleged drugs. Um, mm. You know? Yeah. Um, Cause then he ended up, the, the issue for me isn't so much why he missed the prelim final. It's if that's known, why did he play in the grand final? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder what was known. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully nothing was known because yeah. knowingly putting a player into the GF, you know, I don't think I don't think Ivan would do that. I really don't. But I, I, you know, hopefully we're not reading too much into it. Um, mm. Hopefully the week before it was purely on a performance based thing rather than any outside. Um, which, which, as we said at the time on the pod that we did, we understood it. Um, mm. It made sense from a footballing point of view. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this bit about you know the fact that he, he tests positive after the game, so mm. thus he needed to have put it into his system at some stage before then. Um, mm. Yeah, it does raise a lot of questions, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Which is a shame. Something else quickly before we finish up the show. Um, the draw was released last week, and Origin is back to the status quo, and. I'm not so much going to uh, pick apart that as the format of the season is back to what it was. Yeah. We shouldn't be surprised because uh, TV rules rugby league, but um, yep. we've thrown a lot of ideas around the last few years. You and I have done this pod. Mm. Um, and once again, there's only one rep round uh, weekend made available and I don't have an issue so much with the way Origin is played. I just think Rugby League has missed a trick once again, not playing more Pacific tests while Origin is on. How one weekend through the entire year is enough is beyond me. Well, you, you know you know that if you were to take this question to the NRL, you know what you'd be told, don't you? That you'd be told that there's a World Cup at the end of the year. Oh, okay. Sorry, mate. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's but, I, overload. Yeah, but, player overload, you know. But, you know, I actually, to me, I actually think the season's too long hmm. at 25 rounds. Correct. Um, I think it should be 20 rounds with a fair way of doing a draw, not just a random draw, but a fair way of, of doing the draw across the 20. Um, and I think that they should have a, a couple of rep rounds in the season. Now, whether it be two or three weekends of rep football, they have to make way for that. I think it's a really important thing yeah. in the game. And I'm not just talking about origin. Origin, yeah. Origin's rep, it is, but it's a cash cow. Let's not pretend it's anything else. It's like a, a phone camera on the side of the road. It doesn't stop you from using the phone. It doesn't mm. make you any safer. It's cash. It's money. You know, Origin is cash. That's what it's about. And it's about that for the New South Wales Rugby League and the NRL. Um, it's what keeps the New South Wales Rugby League and the Queensland Rugby Leagues alive, you know. Um, uh, without origin, that just all disappears yeah. up, up the NRL's bum, basically. it's then turns into just the NRL. Um, so, yeah, I, I think rep rounds are important. Um, I think some more women's football is important i think we spoke about this about having that is a possibility still because they haven't they haven't released any information in regards to the nrlw and how it'll be played in 2021 but we we wanted twice the long the season to twice twice as long yep Yep, that's what we want we want two games um uh, we want two Two rounds for them to play each other two round robins yeah yeah um and i think that would be immensely um beneficial 
to the women in the game. There'll be more injuries, but play tw- playing twice the amount of football um, can only be a good thing. Um, and you make the, the squads a little bit bigger and rotate them a bit more, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, mate, I mean, it, the, I, I, I quickly looked over the draw and the main thing I was looking for was the origin, uh, the gaps between the games, which I, I'm disappointed that they've gone back to the two and three week gaps. But, yeah. you know, it's worked in the past. I get it from a marketing point of view and a build that we've, we've touched on. Um, uh, but I really would have liked to have seen them try the um they, t- they tend not to mess with origin too much see because the crowning jewel mm. but i really would like to have seen them try the mid-season three-week window um but they they you know obviously looked at it in a different way um yeah i'd, I'd love to see some more pacific tests and i'd love to see uh, australia playing um within those specific tests as well uh, i'd like to see a little round robin of um you know, probably Tonga, Samoa, New Zealand, Australia, uh, and maybe even bring in France or England for fun. Um, and even if Australia didn't play a full strength team, if they played a development squad in that, you know, like if they played a uh, an under twenty fives or something like that, something where it might. I know that I know that we get a really good game usually from New Zealand and and England, um, and even sometimes Tonga, yeah. but. If Australia use that as a, um, and I'm not saying for not to take it seriously, but if they did an under 25 squad to give the older players a bit of a rest, but also to develop some young players coming through, I think it could be really interesting. I just don't think we do an, I think it's all very predictable what, what the draw is every year. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost you can set your clock by it. Some people really love that and yeah. others don't. I like a change. I've been but around that, it too long. So. All on that front. The Landys, and we, we, we aren't all drinking the Kool-Aid here on this show, but what he was really forthright about during the, the restructuring of last or the 2020 draw was, oh, we're finally going to be fair. He was really, he pushed that, that angle really strongly, saying, oh, everyone's going to play each other once. And it's going to be a fair draw finally. And we're not going to have mm. the inf- interference of origin. Mm. Two months later, gone back to what was was. Now it's unfair. Right by his own words. Now it's unfair. So I'm, I am like you. I'm surprised we didn't see any maneuverability in the way the draw was done. Um, mm. And and there was one thing about the draw that there's two things I hate about it. But one thing I really despise about it is the draw is all over the shop, and it's all over the shop in the sense that teams will play each other twice within six weeks across that. the season. It's even worse now that I've had a little bit of a look. There are some teams that play each other twice in the last six weeks of the season. And then possibly play each other again in the finals. But it's more that, like, I don't get why it happens in the first place, but it's happening more often, more often, more often. It must be because they're in, like, the little pools of, you know, one, three, five, seven, nine, whatever. Mm. And they, mm. But why the draw is not what it used to be where you just played everyone through 15 times and you played the next, the first seven again to make 22 like it used to be. It does my head in. Was, was, was. It's too advanced for diminutive black brains like you and I. We're just not advanced enough, mate. Correct. uh, There'll be some, there'll be, sorry, there'll be a committee in there having meetings as we're doing this podcast. I know the people that were involved in it. I work with them. I just don't understand why we all think that it's so no, it's groundbreaking. Too it's, it's too advanced, Wads. Don't go there, mate, because we are, we are just nothings and nobodies and nevils. The, the funniest thing about it... Even like, talking about it is offensive to them. I know. Is that they'll, they'll develop this draw and then TV comes and says, no, nah, move this here, move this here, move this here, move this... Like... <laughs> anyway, I think that should wrap the episode up. Um, the other thing I don't like is, obviously... <laughs> Um, some teams dominating free to air, other teams not. Um, that that will always happen. Don't even worry about that because the Broncos will get their Friday nights games, and uh, they will be on prime time. I think the big losers week. this year were the Bulldogs, who were on TV way too much last year or this last season. Um, and well, what probably... about you? What about your Raiders? Oh, we're back. We're 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 on we're on at least like this many times, at least. <laughs> 
Um, hey, you know what? If you want to know exactly how many times you're on, give Ricky a call because he will know from <laughs> within about 10 minutes of that, that draw coming out, he will know what's doing. You know, if they're Saturday afternoon games, forget it. Forget it. Indeed. Or early anyway, Sunday games, forget it. That's episode 227. Um, you've got your little bonus at the end, a little bit of angst, a little bit more interest maybe than us talking about the Bulldogs for 40 minutes. Uh, that's been Roberto Cocksmith. I've been Warwick Nicholson. Get us at facebook.com slash NRL podcast. I'm at NRL tweet. He's R-O-B-B-C-O-X. Get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and obviously subscribe uh, on YouTube to the show. More videos coming up um, on there as we go. Cocksmith, anything else to say before we wrap it up? No, mate. Just uh, wonderful spending my Wednesday morning with you. And now I'm going to go and have another coffee. So am I. And do some work in the garage and uh, possibly yeah. do some video editing. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh, same thing, actually. Video editing is on the venue this afternoon beyond just this podcast. But I'm also getting ready. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am going fishing. The borders are open. I'm getting to go up to the Northern Territory finally. When are you uh, going, mate? What I day? Up Monday. Uh, Monday next week. So we might have to try and squeeze in one more of these um, yeah. team pods before yep. the end of the week. Um, 100%. Uh, but I'll be away for a week, everybody. So you may be lucky if you see anything in between then. But if you haven't checked it out before, Dippery Barra Lodge is the thing to look up. I haven't um, been invited. Uh, yeah. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh day, don't start me on that, Cocksmith. Who knows? You know, one day I might get to go up there. He's been invited many times, kids, but he just says other things are more important. That's mm. all I remember. Um, but okay. check it out if you want. There's some pretty cool videos. I uh, posted a really cool one of uh, just a sunset driving home in the middle of nowhere from a couple of years ago that you might enjoy. Good looking um, you will get there one day, Cocksmith. Maybe. One day. If I get involved. Um, but yeah, I'll be posting a lot of photos of fishing um, to that account and my personal one. We'll speak to you next time on The Footy Shark. Which team are we doing next? Are we doing the Dragons next? Mate, I'm open to it. You pick, I will roll with it. Are we going oh, to celebrate, going. celebrate Corey Norman's going, win on the pokies by uh, going into the Dragons? It's a 25 grand. He won 25 grand, didn't he? <laughs> Apparently. Uh, what's, with these, what's with these footy players winning all this money gambling? I mean, you know, not that it's illegal. I think it's great. But Corey Norman, 25 grand. I think he makes about 700 a year. And um, how much did he sink back in? That's the question. What did he win? Oh, he, what did he win? Didn't he win a trifecta or something or, or a Quinella a few months ago? I and mean, I think he won about 35 grand. Not bad. He's a big time, big time gambler, but apparently he's pretty good at it on the, on the footy. The hectic cheese, Brandon Smith. What a character. Indeed. Anyway, we'll speak to you next time on Not The Footy Show, everyone. See you later. See you later. It's people's escape. It's people's relaxation. And we need to do everything in order to continue that great uh, tradition of... I've got a five-year deal here. Pepsi.